<laughs> We're just going to start recording. Yes. I love the rhetorical question, are you ready? Yeah. Which is what I just gave to you. <laughs> <laughs> no matter. We're here. We're talking Mandalorian. As like na- Now that Boba is coming out, uh, we wanted to kind of go back to, the, to where it all began. Not just for Boba, but for Serially Hooked as well. Because that's how it kind of started. Where the two of us watched Mandalorian and talked about it. And then we decided... Oh, we both enjoy talking to each other about Star Wars, so let's just record this. So here we are talking about it again, but now we're actually recording it and publishing it. But Rashad, what is The Mandalorian? So The Mandalorian, thanks to our good friend Wikipedia... I guess to summarize, beginning five years after the event of Return of the Jedi and the fall of the Galactic Empire, the Mandalorian follows Din Djarin, a lone Mandalorian bounty hunter in the outer reaches of the galaxy. He is hired by remnant Imperial forces to retrieve the child, Grogu, but instead goes on the run to protect the infant. While looking to reunite Grogu with his kind, they are pursued by Moff Gideon, who wants to use Grogu's connection to the Force. The show stars Pedro Pascal as Din Djarin, the series title character and lone bounty hunter. Also stars Carl Weathers as Grief Karga, leader of a bounty hunter guild. Werner Herzog as the client, an enigmatic man. Omid Abtahi, I can't pronounce his name, I'm so sorry, as Dr. Pershing, a scientist working for the client. Nick Nolte, who voices Queel in season one, and Taika Waititi, who voices IG-11, a bounty hunter droid, and famously Gina Carano as Cara Dune, a formal rebel shock trooper turned mercenary, and of course, the great Giancarlo Esposito as Moff Gideon, a former officer and Imperial Security Bureau. The second season includes people like Timothy Oliphant as... Cobb Vanth in one episode of the season, Tamura Morrison reprising his role as Boba F- No, he wasn't Boba Fett technically, but he is Boba Fett in this show. <laughs> um, he was just a thousand other clones in um, the prequel movies. And Ming-Na Wen as Fennec Shand, a bounty hunter that seemingly died in season one, but spoiler alert, was never dead. And Katie Sackhoff the voice of Bo-Katan Kryze in Clone Wars and Star Wars Rebels, who now portrays her live action in The Mandalorian. And I think we've referenced her a million times, Rosario Dawson, as the great, the greatest, sorry, Ahsoka Tano. And, spoiler alert, Mark Hamill as Luke Skywalker. I mean, spoiler alert for all of this. If you haven't watched The Mandalorian, you're fucked now. (laughs) Yeah, sorry, ruined everything. Yeah. Oopsie. And that, that summarizes the show, basically. Yeah. Thanks for listening, everyone. Bye. <laughs> and now that we've watched, you know, all of the animated shows, basically, um, let's talk about like how Mando kind of is situated within the greater Star Wars universe, because that's kind of, I think that's like an interesting thing to talk about. It's kind of the dawn of the live action action series era, I suppose, post the Disney pur- purchase, or just in Star Wars in general, I guess. Well, I think it's almost impossible to underestimate how important The Mandalorian's success was to Star Wars and, to a large extent, Disney's 
plan for the entire it's it's corporate plan honestly moving forward because of how successful the mandalorian was in launching disney plus it was the first big show that disney plus launched with or launched after it it is a a medium that star wars is kind of delving into for the first time or and it's really because of the success of the mandalorian is going gung-ho with it and joining the rest of really the rest of the hollywood in pursuing limited series live action television shows and bringing talented filmmakers and those we really are those who are normally reserved for the highest class of television or film to the small screen i guess and joining the streaming wars in a way that we have never seen from disney really or star wars largely and it what's even more so from a bigger level of star wars beyond just the corporate planning and success it opened up an entirely new generation of Star Wars fans. And the way that specifically Baby Yoda or Grogu has been able to capture the zeitgeist within not only the United States, but globally. And it just so many people are actually now interested in Star Wars and interested in delving into this world because of this new found medium. And I think it's it's safe to say that this is probably since the original trilogy the least criticized and most universally loved star wars media out there and that's no small feat honestly and all credit goes to john favreau and dave filoni who spearheaded the creation of the show and are really the new stalwarts of this direction that star wars is taking try saying stalwarts of star wars five times in a row did i say it right yeah, you did. <laughs> but I feel like that's a tongue twister. <laughs> so anyway, uh, yeah, I totally agree. I think now having seen all of the shows as well, I get so like you can see Dave Filoni all over that. I, and also, you know, John Favreau obviously is kind of the um, uh, like the creator there too. Like you can see like so many, you can see the love for Star Wars in this as well. And the like integration with so many things that we see throughout the show that we've seen in star wars before but in a not in like a fan service way for example episode seven was criticized for um yeah it's i think it's very interesting just you know to have this as the honestly like the beginning of a new era so many we're going to talk about this later but there there are so many shows spawning off from this and it's an incredible feat I, i i think and I, I just rewatched it. I actually, I watched it. I only, this is the second time only that I've watched it. And it's, it's super interesting to just come to it after 12 seasons of animated Star Wars shows and just see the handprints of Dave Filoni all over this. So many characters, so many, I don't know. It's, and it feels so Star Wars as well because there are so many creatives involved. I think sometimes people just take that for granted, but this show just feels er Star Wars because it integrates a lot of the inspirations that the original trilogy and George Lu- like George Lucas had for the original trilogy. It kind of boils it down and adds new things, and it is kind of in essence what Star Wars is. And as you said, I think maybe its biggest feat is opening up 
Star Wars for a whole new group of fans. I've talked to a few people about, I know surprisingly, like a lot of people that have never watched any Star Wars and they're like, oh, like, oh, I just like, maybe I'll do it. But it's like such a huge thing, you know, watching like so many movies and I've had quite a lot of success with saying, you could just watch Mandalorian. It's just, you know, two seasons, eight episodes each. And people people have done that and they've loved it. And now they're, you know, it, it is a great new way of introducing people to this franchise that obviously we both really like. And what's incredible is that what you mentioned about how it's true to so many of the inspirations, the... Uh, this obviously the space western the kurosawa films the the visual palette is just so true to everything that is star wars yet it is refreshingly new and it toes that line so well between the familiar and the exciting that the sequel trilogy definitely did not do as well and it for some reason is able to capture all aspects of Star Wars fandom in a way that is really, really, really difficult for such a fractured and widespread fan base. So it, it's just incredible in how they were able to do all of that in one television show, clearly. And what makes me actually a little bit nervous about the future shows that are coming up is, or at least some of them, is that one of the great things about Mandalorian was that it was able to really do what we always wanted and that is to explore the wider star wars universe universe the galaxy different planets different peoples and really break away from the i guess pseudo messiah story of luke skywalker and the skywalker trilogy or the skywalker saga and it's great in how this show is able to expand upon that And I'm wondering and I'm worrying, especially with some of the shows that are coming up, if they revert too far back into the Jedi and stuff like that, how much will it hinder the show moving forward and limit the refreshing nature of it? But so far, everything has been great from this studio and from not only Mando, which we're talking about today, but a shout out to Bad Batch really quickly, which is also a great show in and of itself, animated for sure, but also great. And I'm very excited for this Boba show. So there is still so much more interesting stuff to come. And ah, it's so exciting. We're in, honestly, what I would say, and this is, if if not for like the mid-70s, we're in the golden era of Star Wars, honestly. As someone who is always concerned about expectations, what do you think, like, you know, with all of these shows coming up, I'm generally hoping for the best. And I, I think I have actually diff- very differing expectations based on the shows specifically. Uh, and because there's a different variety of things coming out and some things I just expect more of. Is, for example, Mando season three, I think I expect more of it than I do of the Boba show that's coming out soon. And I think that there is just a... There's also ranges of things that are wider stories by nature and will be smaller stories by nature and those things are inherent in the plot designs and what you have and i think what's important for the show to consider and it's something that i know you hate it but the mcu does really well 
is telling different types of stories within a larger connected narrative. And I know that this show is going to connect a lot of these, sh- sorry, this, the yeah, the show The Mandalorian is going to connect to a lot of other shows that are coming out in some way, shape or form. I think the Ahsoka show, the Boba show, these are all, these are both clearly set in the same universe as the, the Mandalorian show. They both show up in The Mandalorian. But it's, I, I think what's important is to have a different flavor for each different show and not to s- make them seem too much of the same ilk. And so I guess we'll find out what that looks like moving forward. And we're, we're bound to be disappointed in some ways. And that's it comes with the territory, but overall, I don't think it can be that bad. I'm extremely optimistic, and that makes me scared. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just about their integration, real quick. If it's well done, I actually like it. It's just with I think it's just certain things that I always hate. Like the um, you know, one of the worst things is you know Ray and her like family thing, and like everybody's related to everyone. Uh, and what that says kind of kind of in a way like you have to be from these certain families or otherwise you're not a force user sort of thing right like th- those are things that just get me that i really hate but overall i think if there are references to things or if there are you know if it's integrated to another thing in the um in the star wars universe and the lore I actually like it. It just needs to be well done, and I think this show has a lot of ex- a lot of examples, you know, where where they do it well and they don't hit you over the head with it. As you know, the sequel trilogy, for example, has done sometimes where I thought this is kind of forced. They're just doing that to to see, like, oh, see, you know, this thing that you love about uh, you know from this other movie or whatever, it's in here. Look, look, look. I think J.J. Abrams can learn a lot from Dave Filoni. Let's say it that way. For sure, and a perfect example of that in my mind, is the last scene. I don't know if it's the last, exactly the last scene, but the end of season one, in which Moff Gideon comes out of the crash TIE fighter and he's holding the Darksaber. Mm-hmm. And on one hand, if you see that and you've never seen any of the animated con- uh, animated shows, you're just like, oh my God, what is that? That looks the same. That looks like a lightsaber. What's going on now? And then if you're a person who's seen all the shows and knows the history of the Darksaber, you're just like, oh, the Darksaber. <laughs> so it's this really, you, you're able to please both camps at the same time. Mm-hmm. With, and it's just a beautiful connectivity. And whether it is, as you said, little references like seeing Chopper in the background of Rogue One or... Oh, so good. <laughs> right? Or like or, the loath, there's like one part where I think when when uh, Din Djarin meets, uh, uh, what's her name? Like Gina Carano for the first time. Uh, there is a loath cat, you know, things like that. That's nice. You know, that's just a throwaway thing. And like, it's like, okay, there's this thing and we'll move on. It doesn't really matter, but it's just like for people who know it's great. And for people who don't know, it's just like, oh yeah, this looks interesting. Exactly. And it's, it, it doesn't really change the overall message of the show, mm-hmm. but it adds to the color of the universe. And that's amazing. Oh, this is so good. This stuff is amazing. <laughs> Honestly. Yeah. It's really good. <clears throat> But sadly, not every show is perfect. So I, I was wondering, Chris, what are some of the things that you liked and some of the things you maybe didn't like about the show? Yeah, let's start with some of the things that I didn't like that much. Um, we talked about, you know, integrating uh, the show into the wider universe and paying paying homage to things. And sometimes they're overdoing it. For example, 
in episode four. Obviously, there must be a Seven Samurai episode. Um, that one was kind of it was fine. It was just like whatever. I've seen this a bunch of times in Star Wars now, but kind of the worst offender. The worst offender is definitely episode ten, which is an alien uh, thing. And uh, episode nine, also though, I, on second view, viewing, I kind of ca- came around to it a little bit more. I remember the first time I watched it, I was just kind of let down, probably because it was the first episode of the new season, and I was just like, I had so much anticipation. But now I appreciate it much more. I would say I also I kind of caught up on. This is also reminiscent of Dune. Now that I've seen Dune, and. Uh, I also uh, I was also wondering, just as an aside, you know, Tuscan Raiders kind of reminded me as of, uh, of Fremen in a way, but yeah. So just like sometimes taking these these uh, like entire episodes just to you know pay pay homage to something, you know, I think it's cool if there is some like uh, you know if the creators have some fun with things for sure, but. It's like in 16 episodes that happens too often uh, in, for my liking. And I, I just generally found the like kind of more, it's all connected, but there are definitely more like one-off episodes. And I think they're just comparatively weaker than the one that are more directly related to the overarching uh, storyline. As a flip side, I like how they've connected things. Something that I didn't appreciate when I first saw it was episode five, one of my least favorite episodes. But, you know, they it, it's kind of indicative of the overarching vision and knowing, like, the creators knowing where they're going, um, which you can see in episode five with, you know, introducing Fennec and alluding, although we don't know it at that point, like alluding to Boba, who obviously come back later. There is just you can see there they the creators of the show know where they're going, what they're doing, and uh, that just you know makes it, it's I just appreciate that. And even when there are episodes like the ones that I just mentioned, I still kind of trust that they that there you know there is kind of a bigger picture, and we're gonna get to that. Um, just in general, like Din's arc is great three three things maybe to point out specifically is um you know him being like a child of the watch not showing his face he's very adamant about that in the beginning and obviously in the very last in like episode eight he there there's kind of a leeway there um but also later obviously in season two it's just all to save grogu and that kind of leads me into my second point just their relationship the you know Din, who himself is a foundling, treats Grogu as a foundling and takes now, you know, he used to be the foundling, now he's the father figure. And that's really interesting um, as like an arc. Also, you know, Din overcoming his hatred of droids, uh, you know, which goes back to his kind of traumatic experience that results in him being a foundling. That's, you know, that's kind of one of the arcs in season one. And just like what they're doing with Din, I think is really, really cool. I don't know. I, I, I'm i just really, I'm very enamored with his character as well. I, I like the like slow erosion of his extremist point of view in some ways. And 
that entire journey that he's on i think it's really cool and also how they kind of they start off very focused on him and then very slowly show the audience and kind of din that there is a bigger picture and at the end of season two he's just in the midst of a huge thing it feels like and if we look back to episode one that is kind of an like an interesting expansion of the show and its scope and i also really appreciated that and the last thing i'm going to mention is just so many cool characters but specifically female characters or female red characters i think it's it's really cool we've talked about that last time i think about how many great women there are in the star wars universe now and you know for example the uh, infiltration scene in episode 16 where there's just like a lot of badass women just like do the do that and like so that din can uh save grogu that's just such an amazing thing to see and makes me like so happy that we're like this is where media can go and is going in in many respects and obviously we have like we have like an interesting like interesting antagonists and everything um but yeah for now i will i will uh, ask you what are some of the things that you liked and disliked wow you really kind of took them all there um i don't really know where to go i just i agree that is my <laughs> statement okay well <laughs> I for mean, once like, i can do a monologue too you know yeah you did a good job i mean think like i agree the middle of season one and the beginning of season two drag a little bit that like that's fine like i'm always interested in more about what's actually like the plots of the main thing as opposed to like the side adventures but the side adventures also make things interesting when they're well done well like um that there's the heist scene where we meet mayfell too that's actually a cool episode i think and then but as opposed to the second season, second episode of season one, where they're, you know, spider people or spider, not spider men, but spiders, big spiders attacking. That's like a little bit less exciting. Season um, two, but no. Yeah, man, season two. Matter. Thank you. Um, but and obviously, like bringing back some of the best characters of of Star Wars universe and just uh, balancing that with such exciting stuff that we're seeing. The clear, like, I mean, I mean, how long are we gonna dance around the? the a word like it's it's ahsoka ahsoka's here and that's just like yes that's the greatest thing ever so um all all the above it's just such a good show so i don't have much to add thank you sir chris for your soliloquy anytime (laughs) (laughs) obviously as as you know the um post or mid mid credit scene in uh episode 16 has shown us the ne- the next show that's coming out actually at the end of this month is is the boba the book of boba and what do you think about that i mean it's coming out soon i'm sure you've thought about it what your what are your like your hopes and dreams and expectations well i expect it to be largely set on tatooine and i expect it to actually be a little bit more you know it's obviously going to be focused on the underworld i don't expect much interaction with jedi Maybe there's something connected to Obi-Wan since he's on Tatooine, but I doubt it, other than something in passing. Um, I think it's going to be an interesting mix between um, Boba's rise to power, but also his ability to consolidate his power over Jabba's or just the general Hutt's clan rule over um, Tatooine. And I wonder to what extent that's going to extend to other crime syndicates, the Pikes, uh, et cetera, et cetera. 
and how that's he's going to come into contact with that. I expect a lot from Fennec Shand. I think she shines in Mandalorian, and I think that her as the number two there is going to be a really cool vibe. And they're they're I mean their dichotomy they're just so good together on screen. So I'm I'm very excited for the action sequences, the political like the intrigue within the crime syndicates, the power dynamics at play. But I don't expect sort of the larger arc of connecting to something bigger within jedi lore etc etc and that's fine i'm actually very excited for this and we need more of these kinds of shows so i'm very very pumped for the book of boba yeah i think that's you know it's super fair that to just you know have like a fun romp every once in a while that's not like adding too much to the lore and i kind of hope that this is where this show is going because otherwise i would probably be a little bit oh this is just like a little bit forced i mean obviously it depends on the execution but I also I agree like with everything that you've said. Um I could see Obi-Wan making like a brief cameo just to promote the show, like the upcoming Obi-Wan show. Not in a big way maybe, but just just for him to be there in some aspect once. Yeah, as you were saying with like the bigger crime world, that's that's a really interesting thought. I hope they're not overdoing it with the huts. Um and it's kind of a shame that Maul is dead in this time but he's frame not, is he dead is he dead yet exactly like i i would be interested to see like i wonder if he shows up as like a you know on his journey spoiler alert to tatooine to find obi-wan and he's like somewhere on the planet or something like that this mm. is like right before his death or something but it is too bad that you're right largely he's out of the picture here mm. but they could they could actually bring that up just because that could be something like you know there's a power vacuum not just that now Boba is in this position and he's taking over things, but also maybe that Maul is dead and, you know, what do the Pikes do and all the other clans that he's uh, controlled. I wonder whether there's going to be a conflict between Boba and Fennec. That would be really interesting. Or maybe maybe they're just pulling, you know, they're, they're just, uh, their, their interests just align. That would also be fine, but um, it would be also interesting to have a conflict between the two of them. But Honestly, what I ex- uh, expect is a lot of amazing fight scenes because we've seen both of them are just badasses. Yeah, and it looks really exciting. So it's fun. I can't wait, honestly, for the show. It's coming out so soon. It feels like it's been forever since we have a Star Wars show. And yeah, on top of the Book of Boba that's coming out at the end of this year, we have quite a few shows coming out in 2022. And some of those confirmed that include... Mandalorian season three, the second season of Bad Batch. We have finally, finally the Obi-Wan show coming out next year, the Cassian Andor show, and potentially the Ahsoka show. We're not really sure on the, the, the release date for that, but we have quite a bit of stuff coming out for next year. Is there I'm anything honestly pers- excited for all of them? Right? They're and there's such different flavors as well. I can't wait for every single one of them. And it's what's really cool is that like if they had done, for example, an Obi-Wan show, an Anakin show, a Luke Skywalker show, an Ahsoka show. I feel like that would be extremely repetitive. But you have and Cassian Andor, who is like a very, very interesting, murky character within the Rebellion. You have Obi-Wan, obviously, who's like just Obi-Wan. We don't have to say anything else, honestly, right? Bad Batch is like obviously the clone connection, this Order 66 legacy, et cetera, et cetera, that they're going with. The Mando season three is going to kind of maybe diverge into this new Mandalorian aspect more so than it has been in the past you have ahsoka obviously any anything with ahsoka just 
please, all of it, more and more, please. So it's a wide tapestry of television shows that just makes it so much more exciting. The fact that we have, it feels like we have so much Star Wars content, but it's so varied that it always, all of them feel fresh, at least in, in conception. So we'll see how it actually executes. And I'm actually very hopeful for all of them. And I think my ability to be hopeful is because despite them being spearheaded largely by John Favreau and Dave Filoni, they are still kind of under the auspices of specific directors or specific showrunners that have creative agency within this larger sphere. And I think that that combined with the the breadth that these shows will provide are make it very exciting for 2022. I agree 100%. Look at us go. Yeah. <laughs> it's just amazing. It's, yeah, as you said, this is probably the best time for Star Wars. It's It'd be interesting to think about what is the greatest year for Star Wars? And 2022 might be it by the yeah, end of it. Honestly. Or it might be the worst. It might be the year Star Wars died. Yeah. <laughs> we'll find out. <laughs> and we will never talk about Star Wars again on this podcast. So That'll never happen. Come on. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> <laughs> but as we're, you know, speaking of Star Wars in this podcast, it wouldn't be us if we didn't do some top fours. Damn straight. So, uh, what are your, what are some, we're, I think we're going to start with characters. Let's do it. Sure. It wouldn't be top fours if you didn't have a billion honorable mentions. So I think when we talk about our top four characters, go ahead with your honorable mentions. It's difficult, but I've narrowed it down to one honorable mention. Whoa. Uh, I know. And it's, it's kind of, it's a big one, honestly, because I, I had a hard time deciding and it's Moff Gideon. Oh, shit. Yeah, he doesn't make it, which is <gasps> interesting, right? That's so interesting, honestly. But there is one wild card in there where when I came up with, okay, which were my favorite characters, there was someone that I didn't see coming in a way. And then when it came time to rank, it was like, oh, wow, this person is in the top four, I think. Interesting. I wonder who that person is. Yeah, you will find out. <laughs> uh, um, but my number four, I couldn't bring myself not to include Ahsoka. Yeah, of course. I think, obviously, I love her. We've talked about her a million times. And that was actually the first time that I even like heard of her existence at that point when 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 that episode came out. As, an, as a character, obviously, she would be higher on my list, but I think it's unfair to other characters. You know, she has had an immense impact, but she's only in one episode. Uh, but she's amazing in that one, so uh, she's, uh, she's my number four. Interesting. All right, so uh, my number four is Bo-Katan. Nice. I really like her. I mean, obviously, her... The uh, Katie Sackhoff is an amazing actor. She is. She just captures the screen every moment. The layers of regret and leadership and strength and kind of weakness as well that she exhibits is just phenomenal. Uh, I love her relationship with the dark saber as well. How single minded she is and her disappointment at the end of season two is phenomenal. Like she's like she obviously gives more of a window into the proper capital M Mandalorians, and it adds so much depth to the show and it is all manifested through Katie Sackhoff and Bo-Katan. Yeah, absolutely. She's, she is amazing. Um, and now my, for my number three, it is, uh, 
It is the uh, aforementioned wild card, which is Mayfeld. Oh, I figured it would be Mayfeld, honestly. He's great, too. Oh, yeah, I, when episode six came out, I was, I was over the anthology episodes, but that one I really liked. And I think it's, it was like just an interesting cast of characters. And I really love what they did with him in, in the second season. You know, he challenges Din so much uh, and obviously influences him. Uh, and yeah, I just, he's, and just, you know, Bill Burr has obviously, honestly, an amazing performance. You can, you can see like all of his like comedic talent shining through and like little, little scenes, little like, like looks that he gives and stuff. And yeah, I, he, I like him, like surprisingly, I like him a lot. And uh, yeah, that's why he's my number three. Cool. I, I love it. Great pick. Um, my number three, and this is going to super surprise you, is Din Djarin himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it's so hard to divorce Din Djarin from, you know, everything about the show. He is the engine that makes this show run. His arc is amazing. Like, the emotions that he captures. Obviously, Pedro Pascal. The work that he does with just his voice is stunning. It's almost impossible to to describe how great his work is and yeah so it, it it i mean you have to have for me i had to have the mandalorian on the freaking top 10 our top four list here so dinjar number three for me oh now i'm really curious what the other two are going to be it's gonna be quite obvious let's be honest <laughs> yeah my number two is bo katan ah yes okay cool i think she is She's um she's just such an interesting and ambiguous character. She like pushes and challenges Din a lot. She is already important for the show, but I think she will be even more important in the future. And you know, there might be an upcoming conflict with Din because of the Darksaber. Um but yeah, as you said, you know, Katie Sakov, just amazing acting and just like the physical she inhabits Bokatan. And she looks like her. She's just like, and it's of course she's the voice actor from from the animated series, and it's that's just it's per, it's a perfect storm, and I'm so happy that she's a part of this. She's great. Um, my number two is uh, Grogu, mm-hmm. Baby Yoda. Grogu just like has there ever been a better MacGuffin in the history of film? <laughs> MacGuffin <laughs> with force powers. It's it's perfect. Honestly, so cute. So he's the, he's the emotional center point of this entire show. Is like there was a point in you know where they're like, oh, maybe one would consider that they would kill Baby Yoda or Grogu, and that just just like they cannot do this. Like there are some things that are just like too sacred, and it is Grogu is number one on that list for sure. Um, he is he's just he the way that he elicits an emotional change and development in every character that he touches and or touches physically but also like emotionally is absolutely incredible and their ability as a show runners i guess to create something that is as universally loved as grogu is bar none it's just second to none honestly so the grogu has to be on my list for me so he's my number two yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Um, I decided not to include Grogu in my top four because, I mean, he is amazing, but he is, at the end of the day, he is a MacGuffin. Uh, and, of course, he influences everything that happens. Like, he is the reason all of this happens. But 
I don't know, for some reason it didn't feel right. Uh, and so my number one uh, surprising no one is Din. Yeah. You know, all of the things that I went into earlier uh, about his arc stands, it's it's honestly incredible. I think I think it's it's so interesting because it's like a it's a double challenge. You have like a you have a character, a main character who is uh, who you don't see his face. He's basically wearing a mask most of the time, and he's also like his. It's it's also that his personality is just quite reserved, so it has an impact when he speaks, and he has all of these evocative silences and kind of glances although you obviously don't know quite but you do know actually and that's what you know why the acting is so amazing because just as a as a challenge from an acting perspective i think it's incredible and you know of course he's kind of an archetype but he's an archetype with a twist and yeah i just love what they're doing with him honestly and he's freaking mando <laughs> exactly he yeah. is mando it's so good um my number one again Surprising nobody is the great, the greatest, Ahsoka Tano. I mean, there is no person who has higher usage rate than Ahsoka Tano. Her, her like epicness per moment on screen is just incredible. Honestly, if I could create, I need to, if I like were like, a, if I was better at math, I would create sort of an epicness per second on screen sort of metric. And you create, you can then measure the awesomeness of each individual character. And Ahsoka Tano is, is just like on the top. She is just fucking badass. And she captures, she just makes this show. Honestly, it is her appearance to the show for me that like just immediately dials it up to 10. And it is incredible. And she's awesome. And I don't have to say anything else. I don't justify my position because she is fucking Ahsoka Tano. I, I get it. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> I, w- I was thinking, so the other two categories we were doing is fights and moments, and I was just writing down a lot of kind of moments, and then I realized a lot of them are fights, uh, which are obviously also moments, but I was like, no, fights are just like an amazing category. And this show honestly has a lot. Mm, and so I have uh, two two from the final episode that are kind of my honorable mentions. One is when... You know, our love, uh, our lovely uh, band of of infiltrators goes onto the Imperial cruiser and they shoot their way through. Uh, I think it's an amazing action set piece, um, and also Din versus the Dark Trooper, because we've seen Din fail before and all like on the verge of being defeated, but seeing this Dark Trooper just like dent in his, like almost dent in his helmet, just like in his one Dark Trooper and they're like, I don't know, two dozen waiting to, to, you know, <laughs> fuck everything up. It's just, I think is very impactful and I love it. And the music and everything is incredible. What's my number four? Oh, okay. My number four is IG-11 and Mando in the first episode of, season one so when ig11 and mando are fighting the horde of people protecting or capturing grogu such a cool fight sequence it kind of gets you into the entire show in a really cool way it is fast paced ig11 is a badass you can see all that obviously like the 
quote unquote betrayal of Mando by IG Eleven. I don't know what to really say. Or also like this back and forth that they have too. It's really cool. Great scene. I love that fight sequence. So that's my number four. Yeah, I was thinking about that too. That was that was also amazing. Um, my number four is also IG Eleven, it's, but it's a uh, uh, an episode eight when he gets Grogu and rides to town and kills a lot of stormtroopers. And it's just yeah. so much. It's, you can this has Taika Waititi's handprints all over it. It's so good. That episode is amazing. Honestly, yeah. oh, fuck, I want Taika Waititi to do more, please. <laughs> Come on, get off your ass, Taika Waititi. Yeah, you've already done Marvel, right? You can do some more Star Wars, please. Exactly. Um. So, and he's slated too. So, we'll we'll get that soon, and rather than later, hopefully. Hmm. So uh, my number three is Boba and Fennec Shand. I guess Mando's also there versus all the stormtroopers in mm-hmm. the middle or the second half of season two. The tragedy is the episode, I think. And fuck, Boba is just insane, honestly. And even like Fennec and the way that she fights and her like just her the sequence of her jumping off the cliff backwards, shooting behind her is just so cool. Like there's so many things. And then like, Boba with his like staff thing as he stabs stormtroopers like and his face is so intense mm. and then he gets his armor there at the end and it's just from top to bottom that show is that that fight sequence is so good and then at the end it obviously ends in tragedy you have the razor cast blowing up you have baby Yoda getting captured it's it's perfect I love it it's a great sequence great fight scene mm-hmm. that's amazing uh, my number three is from episode three and it's Din infiltrating the client's base. I think it's very well shot it has a lot of clo- like close combat like in a very confined space with a lot of darkness and sneaking around and i, I love it that was i think definitely one of my highlights i think this this episode in general is amazing but yeah that fight scene i just really love yeah and similar to that my number two is ahsoka in the town when she is at, like hiding back and forth in between these small kurosawa-esque village like buildings and she comes pops in and out of the darkness a la the predator or something like that it Mm -hmm. is incredible and that's my number two and it's mine as well (laughs) (laughs) i love it so much it's just like uh, the visuals and like like the the chiascuro effect of like the darkness and then suddenly you have the lightsabers the white lightsabers ignited and it's amazing uh and again like close close combat and you know in those houses these like japanese style houses and it's it's so cool it has it's so dynamic as well uh already like the first fight scene of that episode was amazing with the fog and everything but the one in the village itself trumps that i think it's so fucking good honestly so there's that that's my number two my number one and this is a really tough one for me to pick between i i think my number one has to be mando versus moff gideon in the end Mm -hmm. of season two um i was really debating between that and dark trooper sequence um I didn't want to include everything from that last episode, but <laughs> um, the way that Moff Gideon teases him and toys with him and, you know, threatens Grogu. And then the f- I think it's like the choreography of that fight scene is so well done. 
And on top of that, you have Moff Gideon's emotions and the way that he he just like has such ferocity on his face and this back and forth. And then the way that for the second for their split seconds where you think that the Beskar uh, pole or whatever the staff will actually break to the dark saber the way that it's red and starts to bleed it's so good i just love that that sequence so much so mando versus it's hard to distinguish between all those last that last half of <laughs> the season finale of season two but for me the top of the top for those is the mando moss gideon fight yeah i i really like that as well that was also on the short list um i think what i like most about that is that you know it shifts over the fight like over the course of the fight who has the upper hand with you know Moff Gideon just has the element of surprise and kind of the wrath and eventually Mando just <laughs> like you know a- as like Gideon's power is kind of like his physical power he gets like maybe a little tired or anything or something like that and then Mando just you know wins the upper hand um but my number one is one you've had on the list as well and it is uh Din Boba and Fennec versus the Stormtroopers and I think it's an amazing uh sequence it has Robert Rodriguez written all over it. Uh, and yeah, as you said, the ferocity and the precision and everything. It's just, it's incredible. Uh, I really, really like it. It's just like this show has so many good fight scenes. It makes me so excited for the next mm. episode for Boba, honestly. So good. And last but not least, we're having just a very easy category our top four moments. Of this show so far, so specific. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I've had so many, so many, uh, uh, like moments that I like that I can't even think what are some some honorable mentions. So might might be a serially hooked first where we're doing a top four and I don't have honorable mentions just because there are so many. Yeah, if you open the can of worms for honorable honorable mentions, we'll be here for three hours. Exactly. <laughs> just like have our to- top four hundred. <laughs> best moments of mandalorian um but yeah my number four is uh luke showing up in episode 16 it's a very impactful moment it's something you know they're kind of they're not they're doing a really good job of revealing it and like at first you think okay who might this be x-wing and you're like at least from my perspective it's like it could be luke it could, could be luke but they're they're kind of keeping up the mystery for like a little bit at least and i really appreciated that and then obviously it's badass the way he just destroys like all of the uh the dark troopers it's amazing with the music din and grogu parting ways uh what that means also from a technical perspective like de-aging mark hamill is is interesting or like you know fusing him with another actor it's very interesting there is an entire like one hour feature on how they did that on Disney Plus. So check that out if you're interested in that. I mean, my number four is uh, tangential to that uh, moment. And it's when Din removes his helmet to say goodbye to Grogu. Mm-hmm. And uh, heart-wrenching. He's so cute. It's so sad. It's so heartwarming. It's amazing. Like you can see the transformation of how much he's changed in that moment when he willingly takes off his helmet in front of everyone for no reason other than to say, to look Grogu in the eyes directly. And it's the culmination of their relationship over the first two seasons of the show. And he's amazing. And that moment just 
there are so many moments between Grogu and Mando that it was almost impossible to just pick one. But I think that one kind of highlights how far they've come together and how much Grogu above everyone else in the entire galaxy means to Mando. Mm, I think that's kind of the epitome of their relationship, right? So exactly. I think w- my favorite moment of that is when Grogu touches Din's face and Pedro Pascal oh. acts so ama- like Like his face is quivering and he closes his eyes and it's amazing. Pedro Pascal is fucking MVP. He's so yeah, good in seriously. everything in this show. <sighs> it's incredible. Uh, my number three is in episode 13 when Mando, Grogu, and Ahsoka have their little hangout in the woods and the little training session. And, you know, when Ahsoka obviously realizes the bond between Din and Grogu is so strong that she doesn't want to train Grogu for reasons that we all understand we who have watched clone wars can all understand 100 percent, it's incredible and that's an episode that if you don't watch the show it's interesting if you don't watch the animated shows it's interesting but then when you watch the animated shows you really understand what's going on there Mm. (laughs) it's incredible my number three is the end of season one. I mentioned this earlier when the dark saber is revealed, when man, uh, when Moff Gideon cuts himself out free from the wreckage of the Tie Fighter and comes mm. out wielding the dark saber, and you're just like, "Oh my god, wow, what, what's going on here?" Yeah, speak of things you don't see coming. <laughs> exactly, like that's something that is so 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 surprising. Mm. And yeah, and I I especially like what you know you referred to it earlier. This scene has something for everyone, like whether you know what the dark saber is or not. Like you're either hyped because you don't know what it is and and it's exciting, or you know what it is and then it's kind of more exciting. So yeah, I totally understand. Um, my number two is when Din decides to get Grogu from the client when he's in his ship and he wants to start it up and then the like metal ball part of the um of the switch is missing because obviously that's Grogu's favorite toy. And just that moment is just like, and he makes up his mind and you can see it churning under that helmet. And it's, it's amazing. And like all of that emoted, no, no voice, no, no face. Just incredible. Just, it's, it's just body language. Geniuses. (laughs) (laughs) Has there ever been a show that like has the task of or takes on the task of doing so much with so little voice and so little f- emotions in the face? It's incredible, honestly. Mm. Like if you were to po- pitch this show to someone, if you didn't have the Star Wars aspect, they'd just laugh at you. Like people are not going to be able to um, resonate with the character if you can't see their face or can't hear their voice. But this show has proven that that is entirely possible. It's incredible. Ah, yes. That's a great (laughs) moment. That's a great moment. My number two is the opening of episode 13, The Jedi. um, Of course. (laughs) Of course, obviously. um, Where you have darkness and the fog and you see Ahsoka's lightsabers come out and you see, you're just like, oh my God, it's Ahsoka. Ahsoka, Ahsoka's here. And then you see the lightsabers come in and disappear and then come out and disappear and just... It's such a great opening. I love that sequence. And it just has built up for so much because the entire season is him trying to find a Jedi to be with Grogu and 
this is where it is. It culminates at this moment. And it's it's just so exciting to be in that moment there. So again, no surprise. Ahsoka, badass. <laughs> yeah, and it's another one of these scenes that has something for everyone. Whether you, like when I watched that the first time, I didn't know who Ahsoka was, but I was so intrigued because like on a meta level it is star wars and star wars kind of is jedi or has been for a long time anyway and so when you know you it's like episode 13 of a star wars show and you haven't seen a, a jedi yet and it's just very exciting and obviously like the aesthetics of its, its the cinematography it's just astounding honestly my number one is ep- from episode 15 it's when din decides to show his face in the imperial base and then it's it's that and then of course mayfeld and the officer uh i think it's 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 kind of two moments in one but i think it's just talk about revealing character and it's it's just and also the speech that Hess gives is incredible like all of this is, is so impact i don't know like with Mayfeld in the in the characters, it kind of surprised me that that's kind of my favorite moment. But it also makes sense to me just because that's when Din makes the decision to let go of his of his like beliefs that he grew up with to save someone he loves. And you you know you, you could we we've all seen like the slow erosion of his like determination when it comes to revealing his face. Obviously, episode eight was the first time and then you know earlier in that episode as well you have mayfell talking to him about it with like oh now you're wearing stormtrooper armor but isn't is that like is it like not taking that helmet off or not showing your face and what's going on and this is then finally the decision here and it's i I love this moment so much yeah the fact that he's he's willing to as you said give up on everything that he believes in for the sake of someone he loves is an absolutely telling story. And as much as the moment that I mentioned where he takes off his helmet for Grogu is impactful, this is the moment where he changes entirely as a character. And this is when push comes to shove with backs against the wall, what do you do? And this is what he chooses to do. And it's a, a, a great choice. And yeah, I, I totally agree. That's an amazing moment. So good work. Good, good, good work. I like your moments a lot, by the way. Good choices. Thanks. Same. But let me please tell me what your favorite moment is. <laughs> is this even a question? Do you like no. even like you don't even have to ask. It's freaking Luke Skywalker, honestly. <laughs> of course. Of it's course. It's like it, it chills down my freaking spine. Like every that entire like reveal, the way that they do layers and layers of reveal, first the X-wing, then the then the hand, then the green saber. It's just, and then oh, oh my god, it's so good and then everyone's puzzling face in the in the cockpit or whatever they're just like what's going on a jedi a jedi and then grogu goes up to the screen and just like guiding him through the sequence and it's and then the reveal like the mirror of darth vader's uh scene in rogue one with vader uh, with luke doing his sh- going through his shit in 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 this episode is so 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 good and like that all on top of the fact that we've never seen luke skywalker at his prime and this is the only time we've ever seen Luke Skywalker at the, the height of his powers. And this is it. And it's inc- it's an absolutely incredible. You can see how amazing he is as a force wielder, his strength, his, it's just, ah, it's so, so, so good. I love this. I love this, this moment. It's, and it's like, 
in in a show that has so many great moments, so much great character development, amazing things that go on, it still manages to create this crescendo that yields such such a momentous event in the history of Star Wars when Luke Skywalker appears and this is it it's this the biggest swing they could have done and if they failed at this swing it would have underwritten everything that they had done previous to this but they succeeded and the fact that they're able to succeed in this moment is just an absolute treasure for all Star Wars fans so ah, so good I fucking love it <laughs> go big or go home and they went very very big exactly so yeah I think after you know watching 12 seasons of animated Star Wars it was great to come back to where this whole thing started you know especially with the upcoming shows it's it's great to kind of uh, take account of something uh, you know look back on uh, where we've come from and now just be excited honestly just be excited for what's coming next I cannot wait. I cannot wait to talk about Boba with you. And oh, it's going to be great. Honestly, there's no other person I'd rather do it with. So thank you, Chris. Aww. It's been thank a ride. You. And, you know, thinking about how far we started with initial conversations about Mandalorian to where we are now, it's, uh, wow, what a journey. Yeah, talk about an arc. So, yeah, we're obviously excited to have all of you with us uh, on this journey. Uh, and if you want to help out the show, shout what can people do to support us? People should give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts, but also preferably Apple Podcasts, please. That would be great. And if you want to get in touch, where can people do that? Seriallyhook.com. All of our contact information, Twitter, email, et cetera, et cetera, are all on the website. Check it out. All right, we're done. Yeah. We're done. Boba. Oh. Can't wait. Things like overcoming his hatred of robots because of his traumatic experience. Um, you know, whoa, whoa, whoa. Did you just say robots? Oh, uh, whoopsie. <sighs> <laughs> Did you think I was going to let you live that one down? No, 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 no. Um, <laughs> hey, you're the one who calls like clones droids all of the time. So. I always do, but at least I use the right words. Okay, let me do it. Do, do a second take. But on top of the, the show that's coming out at the end of this year, we have quite a few shlows. Shlows. <laughs> oh, no, this is a bad... Transition! Transition! Do you want to do a transition? No, you're the transition master. Okay, okay. Insert creative transition here. <laughs>